Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy Friday, ladies and germs. It's the end of another week, sort of. Fantasy weeks go till Sunday now. So I got to amend my nomenclature. This is uh, NBA season day number 14. See, that's a better way for me to list how many quote, in-season shows we've done, because I still don't know if that first Tuesday count. There were games that night, but, you know, they hadn't happened yet. Doesn't matter. I don't know why I insist on doing this crap at the beginning of episodes. You guys, I'm sure, are quite sick of it, but whatever. It just... You know, I've talked to a lot of broadcasters and podcasters, and they find that the opening of a show is the hardest thing for them to do. Once they're into it, it's like, you're just flowing, but get it going... That's hard. So for me, I literally just start yelling about the first thing that comes into my head. And then once that's out, like the adrenaline's pumping, the voice is going, I might have to turn the mic off to cough or sneeze or just clear my throat. But overall, once the energy's coursing through my veins, then it's time we can sit down and do a show. It's your typical Friday show today. It's Fantasy NBA Today, by uh, by the way. I am Dan Vespers. Thanks, as always, for tuning in, everybody. I know you're following me over on Twitter now because I've yelled at you guys enough about it. I know Twitter's about to probably go down in a blaze of glory in a lot of ways, but one thing I think probably remains is getting immediate news there. Like, you're not going to have the, the same exchange. There's going to be a lot of crap. But I still think, like, I just... I don't know that there's a way right now, at least. Someone should be looking to make it. If you guys all want to be billionaires, just spend every waking moment you have right now thinking about the next fastest way to distribute information. Because that's what makes Twitter so powerful. Speed. But if it becomes too ungainly, we're going to be looking for some other place to do it. As it is, it is... Still the fastest way to get info, so I hope you guys will join me over there, at Dan Vespers on Twitter. I think most of you that are listening to this show probably have listened for the last couple of weeks, so I, I'm going to go out on a, a distant, distant limb and say, you probably know what's coming on this Friday show, but I don't care. I'm going to explain it anyway. It's Friday, so we're going to be breaking down a week in review. Ads drops, holds, streamers, watch listers, buys, sells, one, what uh, it's too many damn things to keep track of now, it's seven damn things, and every week I kind of look down, try to take a quick glance at how many names are on the board, there's 11, there's another nine, that's 20, 26, 31, 35. Uh Uh-oh, we're up to 39 again. All right, well, it's the same kind of thing. We got almost 40 names, and uh, we better start diving into this stuff. Now, remember, uh, disclaimer here on the show. Disclaimer is the, uh, this is for the whole week. So some of these names were more relevant two and a half days ago, whatever, but this is like the Monday through Thursday. So we're all, all encompassing for folks either that missed a couple of days of games or missed a couple of episodes of show Or, you know, you might be in a league that's just not quite as competitive or missed a little blip of news, and we can get you all caught up on that right now. So, let's dive on in. Ads, everybody's favorite part of the Week in Review. Jalen Suggs is easily the biggest name on the board right now. 26 points, 9 assists, 4 steals last night. He was absolutely atrocious at the free throw line. And 
I'll admit, there's um, a bit of fear. I have a bit of fear on uh, what that number actually settles at for Suggs, but I don't think it's going to be 59%. Because right now, that's really weighing down his overall value. But dude shot 77% at the free throw line last year in what was not actually a super low volume amount. And yes, 77% is still not good, but if you adjusted him up to 77% this year, not only would you add uh, almost another extra free throw per ball game, so just add another point to his total, you're talking 16 points, two three-pointers, four and change assists, almost three steals per ball game. He, I mean, it's a flying leap forward. And until Markel Fultz comes back, because I think he'll be back before Cole Anthony based on the sort of reading not much in the way of tea leaves. Like, it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty slap you in the face report on how those guys are doing. Suggs may have a window here. And we don't even know what's going to go on with Fultz when he comes back. Does he take Suggs' spot? Does he become the sixth man? Regardless, must add. Big, big, big one. Cantavius Caldwell-Pope is on my list. I've been... Um, I don't know, a little hesitant to call him a true all-the-time ad simply because his fantasy game is just sort of, I don't know, even by Dan Vesper's old man squad, boring. 11 points, four boards, three assists, a steal, two and some odd three-pointers, field goal percent that's not that bad. He's made his six free throws so far this year, whatever he's attempted, and uh, one free throw per ball game. So, or one turnover per ball game, I should say. But, I mean, there are other guys that also have similar fantasy lines that I've been hyping up, like a Royce O'Neal, who's been admittedly better on the defensive end than KCP. Uh, Kentavious, slightly better field goal percent. But, like, there's, there's an inherent value to these guys. And there's also the fact that these types of players exist. KCP, Royce O'Neal. Uh, in seasons past, you've had guys like Jake Crowder kind of filling that role where it's almost exclusively a couple of three-pointers, a steal, some fraction of a block, and not murderers percentages with somewhat low turnovers. Those are your fill-out-the-roster roto guys. I think KCP, just as the dust settles on other guys sort of doing more stuff, uh, a good example of this would be Jalen Brunson, who's currently ranked 77th but only because he's shooting 74% at the free throw line. Like, that's a guy that's obviously going to move in front of KCP as the season goes on. And there are other names like that. And then there are guys in front of him where you're like, "Uh, yeah, this doesn't really make any sense. Um, But the number behind him is greater. So a guy with KCP's current stat profile, that traditional 3 and D fantasy game, those guys tend to slide back towards 85 to 100. Sometimes a little farther than that, although with with the... Weapons on that team, this may be the best shots he's ever going to take in his life. And he's played with LeBron. But, I mean, the Nuggets, Jokic is just otherworldly. And, you know, you throw in Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. I mean, there's just so much floor spacing there. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is, he's around so that earlier in a draft, you don't have to worry about some of those categories. You don't have to worry about three-pointers as much. Because you know... A KCP, a Royce O'Neal, whatever. Those guys are going to be around at the end. They serve a purpose. He'll help you a little bit in steals. He won't hurt you in the percentages all that much. He's not really going to do a whole lot in the counting categories, but that's fine because he rounds out a roster. 
lot of discussion on KCP. D'Anthony Melton is in the ads section, but this is really more lip service because uh, we had him as an ad the first day Joel Embiid was ruled out uh, for rest, which that was like a week and a half ago now. And then I want to address something on the D'Anthony Melton front because it's actually a good point. Someone tweeted, uh, it was it was a friendly tweet, longtime reader, listener, was like, yeah, we got a little bit lucky there. Yes, but also like 20% lucky on the James Harden side. I think was that was what the tweet was in reference to, and I don't know, I'm burying the lead a little bit. James Harden has a strained foot tendon. He's going to be reevaluated in two weeks. The expectation is that he's going to be out somewhere between two weeks and one month. Okay? Don't freak out. It's not the end of the world. It's annoying. He's going to miss, I don't know, 10, 12 games, something like that. Sucks, especially early in the year. Will he ever quite be the same as he recovers? I don't know. Um, but it's annoying. And obviously, DeAnthony Melton gets a massive jump. So that was in reference to how how are we lucky? Well, here's the thing. Fantasy is a numbers game. Always. And handicapping fantasy is a numbers game as well. So the moment that DeAnthony Melton was granted a starting spot that first time, that first time that Joel Embiid was ruled out, that was enough reason to make him a rest-of-season fantasy play. And the reason why is because the center on his team was ruled out, and the team decided, we don't even want to consider a big man in his place. We're not going to add a power forward and have him play some center. We're just going to slide P.J. Tucker up to the five, and we're going to go small as hell. Because we don't trust Montrezl Harrell in that starting unit. We don't trust anybody else really to do it. We're going to go fast. And so at that moment, we knew that literally any player, any player on the Sixers has to miss a ball game. DeAnthony Melton is the beneficiary. It's the Chris Poussey theorem, who we just, we just talked about the other day. But now it's now it's for DeAnthony. And this is fantastic, because on the Grizzlies, he got his shot only when Dylan Brooks was out. It was a one-to-one thing. Dylan Brooks was out. Melton got his spot. With the Sixers, and this is, I mean, this is actually a really important comparison and, and point we need, to, we need to make. Because of that, because there was only one real consistent path for Melton to get his minutes last year, it made him a really difficult player to hold on to, and it also made him a really easy player to stream when the time was right. You could drop him in between those opportunities. When you're talking about a situation where any player in a team's starting five has to miss a game, and one player is the beneficiary in each of those cases the same one player it's so very different because now we're saying okay well how many games did we think Joel Embiid was going to miss this year last year he missed what 14 15 games and that was considered just an absolute monster of a win in terms of his health so best case scenario Embiid plays in what 68 games this year more likely it's more like 64 to 66 right there you've got probably 17 starts out of DeAnthony Melton. What about James Harden? He's been dinged up. He missed half the season two years back. He missed 17 games last year, I believe. Even if you think he's healthier this year, which he was up until yesterday, in better shape, he's older now. Older guys miss more games. That's just the way it works. 
as they get very, very old. I, I know Chris Paul's been really good in that regard, and you know there's something to be said for being a, a smaller point guard if you're not going to bang into folks. But Harden's been missing games. I know he was ha- captain durability for you know 12 years or whatever it was, but he hasn't been the last few. And yeah, we could blame a decent amount of that on him getting downright fat, but not all of it. So expectation there, I don't know, 10 missed games for Harden in a, in a good scenario. Well, now we know it's going to be worse than that because he'll probably miss 10 here alone, and then there's still a rest of a season to get through. So that's another 10 or more. 15, you want to go to 15, potential starts for Melton. And then what if Tobias Harris has to miss a week or two weeks? Or what if Tyrese Maxey has to miss a week or two weeks? What if P.J. Tucker has to miss a week? He's old as hell, too. I know he's super durable, but we've seen him miss time for back and knee. Yes, some of that's going to overlap. Like if Tucker misses a game on the same day as Tyrese Maxey, DeAnthony Melton isn't getting two starts there. He's only getting one. But you're talking about now 25 30, 35, like there's a, a big number of potential starts for Melton because it's tied to all of the team's health stuff, not just one player. And we know when he's starting, he can be as good as top 50. When he's off the bench, he's probably more in the like 110 to 120 range. But the problem is you can't really drop him in between because someone could miss every single game. On the head-to-head side, that's enough. 50 half the time, 125 half the time. That's enough. That makes him a full season value. Roto, you could even make a call on a night-to-night basis. Oh, they're healthy? Nah, I don't really want to use a games cap on him right now. Oh, one guy's out? Terrific. Here's a guy I'm going to take at the end of my draft or pick up off waivers because he did get dropped in a lot of places. And he's going to get me top 50. He's going to get me 35 top 50 games this year. Yeah, I'll squat on that the whole damn season. So I put him on the ads board because I wanted to spend a little bit of time on why why we were so bullish on him for more than just the one Joel Embiid game. Kevin Herter is in the ads department. He was probably on a roster already, but I I felt like he needed to be in there because he's just been crazy good, and it's super weird, but this is the universe we live in right now. He's number 42 Not going to make four three-pointers a game the entire year. He's not going to shoot 51% from the field the entire year, so he's going to drop back. I don't think that you can even really sell high on Herter because no one's going to buy it. So just add him and use him. And it's kind of the same story for Marcus Morris. He's been really good so far this season, too. He's number 55. He's shooting 53% from the field. Also won't stick. And at some point, Kawhi Leonard's going to come back, and that's going to carve into it as well. So perhaps he makes more sense as a streamer type. Maybe I could have put him in that department. And you know what? Screw it. Um, I'm going to move him down to streamers while we're talking about it right now. There you go. Flipped him over. Drops is the next part on the board. Terrence Ross, easy drop. Derek White, pretty easy drop. Um, whoa, I put two guys in the wrong category here. Yikes, Dan's got to go back and edit. I got two more ads I need to go back to. Uh, Norman Powell is a drop. He's not playing well even without Kawhi. And at some point, Leonard's going to show up, and then it's totally dead. And the last drop on the board, this one kills me, but I don't I don't think you can sit on Onyika Okongwu right now. Um because frankly, he just hasn't really been good enough in the 20 minutes he's been given. He's close, he's 138, shooting 71% from the field, mind you. But he just there needs to be a couple more. It needs to be like 22 minutes. And I don't see that really coming. 
as long as Capella's still the vastly superior defender on that team. And Clint's been not very good either. Like, nothing to write home about there. Eight points, nine boards, but he's just a better fit for what they want to do on the defensive side. And so, I, you know, if you have the opportunity, if you have the space to squat, I need like a new category here called squats, which is different than holds, because holds, you're still mostly using those guys. Okongwu is a squat, but so technically would be kind of Isaiah Jackson. At the same time, like we're seeing Miles Turner taking rest games, and we know he's on the trade block. It's such a different scenario there for these two huge upside backup centers. But Okongwu has to be, I mean, his situation is waiting on an injury to Capella, which may or may not happen. Clint was actually relatively healthy last year. So it's just kind of too much to wait through. So I'm okay. If you want to drop him, someone might pick him up because there is a ton of upside there, but I totally get it. And if you're in Roto, you can kind of treat him like an injured slot. But, you know, you need a big injury to Capella, I think, for this thing to really come to fruition. Uh, the two ads that somehow ended up in the wrong category here were Jalen McDaniels, who should have been an ad earlier, but now that Gordon Hayward hurt his shoulder, he's really going to come in hot. And then Patrick Williams, who we spent a bunch of time with uh, or uh, on on yesterday's podcast, so I don't want to repeat it too much, but he's been very good lately. We're seeing steals, we're seeing blocks, we're seeing efficiency. This is a good sign. Um, he's not going to keep up this pace all season long, these last two or three ball games. but the fact that you're starting to see the floor raise up for him is a big reason why he's an ad and not uh, something more short-term. Holds. Some of these make sense, some of these don't. It's hard for me to categorizing these dudes is actually quite difficult hey before i do holds i want to remind you guys of our partnership with manscaped.com yesterday they didn't even get a full read i dissed them on the podcast i dissed them i said look i'm gonna do this this ultra fast manscape read you just have to promise me that you will actually go to their website and check out their wares well, do that again for me today, but this time they're getting the full read so sit back relax and enjoy manscaped.com the best in men's grooming Free shipping and 20% off your order with promo code ETHOS20. Those dudes sent me uh, some Manscaped boxers that were too big. And so we're going to be doing a giveaway for those on social media here in the not-too-distant future. Another reason to drop a follow over at Dan Vespers. And then I told them, I was like, hey, guys, you sent me the wrong size. So they're sending me another pack. But I'm keeping those, you jerks. I can't give those away. I'm keeping the ones that actually fit. The ones that are too big, and I could see, don't worry, they weren't tried on or anything, you perverts. Uh, but we're going to be giving those away. They've got boxers. They've got uh, luxury nail kit. They've got ear and nose hair trimmers. They've got cologne. They've got shaving gel. And then, of course, the piece de resistance, the Lawn Mower 4.0. Biffed that, didn't I? Uh, that is the sideburn trimmer. That's the, that's the big bopper. You know what's really funny? By the way, uh, the shears are under tools. I found them the other day. Remember, I was looking for them, and I couldn't locate it. I love that nail kit. It's so it's such a strong nail kit. My fingers, they feel great. But here's a funny thing. I actually kind of like the Lawnmower 3.0 the most. That's my favorite Cyber trimmer I've ever used in my life. That one's only 70 bucks. And you could take another 14 off of that with the coupon. So that's a $56 Cyber trimmer. And I promise you, you'll never need another one as long as you live. You won't. The charging station is great. It's small. It's convenient. The light 
is great. I actually think the light in the 3.0 is more effective than in the 4.0. Don't tell them I said that. Comes with an adjustable guard. So if you're doing, you know, like slightly longer beard trimming, you can do it that way. 7,000 RPM motor uh, that creates the skin safe technology. That's what they call it. But look, effectively at the end of the day, it doesn't pinch. The 3.0 of all of them, and I've, I've used the 2, the 3, and the 4 in our partnership with Manscaped. The 3.0, I don't think has ever pinched. I don't think once, and I probably ran that thing on my on my face, neck, whatever, like 30 to 40 hours over the last couple of years, if you add it all together, and uh, never pinched, not one time. I love the 3.0. Go check it out, manscaped.com, lawnmower 3.0. I know, doing the wrong read, but whatever. Seriously, you guys, I, I want to, I like, my job here is to tell you about the thing that I really, really like at a place. That's the one. That's 56 bucks with free shipping after the coupon. Go check it out. Ethos20 is the coupon. Let's get back to business here. Uh, the holds right now, a lot of really easy ones in here. Let me just blitz through the easy ones, and then we'll spend a few seconds longer on the tougher ones. Isaiah Hartenstein, easy hold. He's beginning to outplay Mitchell Robinson on a night-to-night basis. Isaiah Stewart, because Jalen Duran's out, he's an easy hold. Grant Williams is playing well. He's an easy hold. I think Al Horford is actually a relatively easy hold, even if you guys disagree with me. But, like, look, dudes, he's a starting center starting center on an NBA team with a terrific fantasy profile that we've seen for, what, like 20 years now? Jaden Ivey is a pretty easy hold. He hasn't been that great, but you're going to see that learning curve kick in at some point, and he's been good enough in the meantime. Kelly Olynyk, pretty easy hold. He's been getting himself into foul trouble, but again, really good stat set, and he's the starting center for a Jazz team that's overperforming. And Royce O'Neal, because for some reason I keep seeing stuff that's like, oh, should we deal with... Yeah, like, he's been he's been terrific. I don't know why... This keeps coming up uh, until he's bad for a while. This I don't want to see it, and I don't want to put his name on any boards again. The harder ones right now, I think, are Karis LeVert, who actually played relatively well in the Cavs' last ball game as the third ball handler in that starting unit. So let's just kind of see how that plays out. I'm not starting him in games cap formats. Uh, I might as well in daily head-to-head, and I, I don't know that it's going to stick forever, but he hasn't. He didn't drop off in that first game, at least the way that we thought there might be a chance he could. So stick that one out. And uh, Santi Aldama is the other hold right now. He's slowed considerably after a big preseason and a big big start to the year. And we kind of knew this was coming. I even said it during the preseason. I was like, I think this kid's gonna get sort of knocked around by an NBA schedule and the size of dudes in the NBA as they actually start to hit you during the regular season. And so he may fall off a cliff, but again, starting big, power forward, not center, in the NBA that gets blocks and threes, it's just like this, the stat profile is too good to just abandon ship like this. And I get it, once JJJ's back, it's useless. But remember, we got that like, hey, JJJ is close to playing five-on-five five report going into the season, and we've heard crickets for the last two and a half weeks. So uh, I still don't think he's super close which means give Aldama a little bit longer. Streamers! Streamers! Who doesn't love a good streamer? Um, Dennis Smith Jr. is still a streamer, believe it or not, because Terry Rozier is still out somehow. Um, the obvious ones are the ones that are holdovers. Trey Murphy is still a streamer because we haven't heard hide nor hair of Brandon Ingram since he suffered that concussion. Josh Richardson, who they didn't really let play, is a questionable streamer now because it sounds like both Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson are back for the Spurs after they tanked one in their last ball game. 
I might let I might let this one play out and see what Richardson's job is when Vassell is back. So he's a maybe. I'm going to put the word maybe in parentheses here on my board because I am going to cut and paste this over to Twitter at some point today. Uh, Richardson's a maybe. Chris Boucher is a stream if Freddie Van Fleet continues to miss ball uh, anytime or really anyone in the Raptors starting five. It's the same story we just talked about with Melton. And so that, by the way, that's probably going to make Boucher a guy you should have on your roster most of the season also. I think Melton is better when someone's out because he gets the start. Boucher doesn't get the starting nod. He just does a whole bunch of stuff off the bench. So Melton's still a cut above there. But, I mean, we've seen what happens to Toronto. First it's one guy, then it's the next, then it's two guys at the same time, then one guy comes back. But there's pretty much always one dude out for the Raptors. Takes about two weeks, and then that's the way it is until, like, March. Lonnie Walker's in my streaming deal because Dennis Schroeder apparently is starting to get a little bit closer. I don't know that Walker's going to have that same level of value once Schroeder comes back. Uh, we already talked about Marcus Morris, who I just moved over into this category. And then Max Struess, also in the streaming department. Three-pointers, that's what you're looking for. He's a sort of a one-category guy. Davion Mitchell is a maybe, just like Josh Richardson right now. He's a maybe. We didn't. He didn't look particularly good filling in for De'Aaron Fox in the second ball game. He looked pretty good. When he came in mid-game, scored a bunch of points, didn't get the assists we were hoping for. Assists were a little bit better in the in the first game that Fox was 100% out, but everything else was bad. So, again, don't push forward with stuff like this. That's more of a kind of a streaming watch list, but I ain't going to break this out into more than seven categories, at least not yet, unless you guys get me to do a squats category. I'm going to leave it as is. Watch list. Bruce Brown out in Denver. He's been good like two of the last three ball games. That's close enough to be on the watch list. Alexei Pokashevsky, not as great last night, but starting right now. And so maybe he's going to start to win the Oklahoma City game of roulette. I would say at least sort of kick the tires, see if he's available in your league. You might stuff him at the end of your bench. Larry Nance Jr.'s look pretty good here lately. Um, you know, that again, that's another thing that might disappear when Herb Jones and Brandon Ingram come back. So that's why he's on the watch list. Emmanuel quickly had a gigantic ball game. I don't see that happening regularly, but he at least needs to have one eye on him. And then Joe Harris, because Kyrie Irving also kind of burying the lead was suspended five games yesterday in the afternoon for basically not apologizing, um, for sharing an, an extremely anti-Semitic film uh, but then he did apologize, which I think shocked a lot of folks, myself included, actually, because he had all these opportunities to do so, and instead he kind of got defensive in those interviews. Um, but sort of once the suspension hit, it seemed like maybe reality struck, or I don't know who he talked to behind the scenes. Whatever the motivation's there, that's not my job. Uh, I'm not going to dig into them. He did apologize, and it was... Uh, pretty like explicitly directed at the Jewish population, which as a member of, I felt uh, pretty pleased with. Um, unfortunately, the fallout from this is continuing and somewhat far-reaching because there's like a former NFL player who's tweeting Holocaust denier stuff right now. Um, pretty terrifying stuff that is... By the, by the way, maybe it's stuff like that that woke Kyrie Irving up to the ramifications of what he did. But I will say this. I don't want to get into all that stuff right now. That's not what this podcast is about. From a fantasy standpoint, Kyrie 
experiencing or expressing some sort of remorse about the incident, the situation, is a good first sign. Because the initial suspension said at least five games and basically stipulated, hey, this dude's got to understand that what he did mattered to a lot of people and sort of opened the door. I think everybody, look, if you're listening to this podcast, you can agree, disagree with uh, opinions people have on this situation. But one thing I hope we can all agree on is that when something with negative information in it is shared so widely, it does open the door for additional stuff. And that, I think, was the scariest part. So if Kyrie's now starting to understand that, and if he's able to express that to the Nets management, there's a possibility he does come back after just the minimum five games, which if you have Kyrie on your fantasy team, that's what you're hoping for right now. I hope you guys listening are not thinking that I'm like trying to preach to you here. This is thinking through... First of all, a very real situation, which I, I will say again, as a Jewish person, does hit home. But beyond that, from the basketball side, we're trying to figure out whether or not this dude's going to play again for Brooklyn. I think he probably will. Um, after seeing the apology last night, I think he probably will. But then beyond that, like, what does that mean for fantasy teams, for whether or not they start to break up that team? Do you pick up a replacement? So, all of that to say, Joe Harris is on your watch list. If he looks really good here in a first game without Kyrie, at least you could pick him up and know you're going to get, I don't know if they have a back-to-back in there, but probably at least three, maybe four good ones. James Harden, hurt, Kyrie suspended. Busy Thursday for only having two games last night. The buy list and the sell list, and that'll then get us to the end of the weekend review part of the show, and then we'll pivot into a sort of a uh, ultra lightning round. It's faster than a regular lightning round. Look at the upcoming games across the weekend. The buy list. It's my three dudes that are ramping up. Jamal Murray, Colin Sexton off of season-ending injuries, Clay Thompson off of choosing not to participate in the preseason. So technically from the season-ending injury... I don't think I've gotten into all the details on the Clay Thompson stuff. I've just sort of referred to it in passing as injury-related. Now, he wasn't, like, technically hurt over the offseason, uh, but he doesn't now like to go hard during exhibition periods because that's when he blew out his leg last time, the second injury. So he went real light during the preseason, and so his ramp up here started later, whereas... Jamal Murray, Colin Sexton, those guys were actually coming off of big injuries. Uh, Murray was probably ready to go, like, by... It was pretty damn close to Denver in the playoffs. So remember, he's had a bunch of extra time also. Sexton's the one that, like, this is about when you thought he might be able to play basketball again. Uh, but those guys are all ramping up at the same time now. It looked like two, two and a half weeks, we saw Jamal Murray with some sweet elevation in their game yesterday. He had that sort of... I don't even know what you call that. Not a reverse dunk, but he jumped from underneath the basket, a little bit out in front, but also like headed towards underneath, and then reached around to the left side of the hoop with his right hand while turning to his left and dunked it over two guys. It was pretty sweet, and it also was this kind of like, oh, Jamal's getting close. And then Clay had a bunch of points yesterday. Warriors have in severe finals hangover mode after a couple of like better games to start the year 
Um, but Clay took 24 shots, had seven three-pointers. I know his shooting percentage is down, but damn, that's a big ball game. So if these guys are really getting in the mix now, the buy window might be a, a closed or about to be shut. And uh, we probably could have had them for a whole lot when I talked about it last week. Cat is the other name on my buy low list. He's at 35. Um, and I don't think that his rebounds come up much. Uh, I think his blocks probably do get a little bit better from half a block per game. I don't know that his field goal percent gets as good as it has been in recent years. But I do think that, uh, in general, his scoring and his blocks probably come up. And he's probably more like a second rounder this year than a third rounder. The problem, of course, is I don't know that you're going to be able to get him for a, a late second round type of guy yet. Like, I don't think you could give, you know, Jimmy Butler to get Cat. I probably would if I could, but I don't think it's going to work. Drew Holiday doesn't get it done. I mean, Jimmy's not that far off. Freddie Van Fleet, if he was healthy, might have gotten it done, but there really are almost no other names that I would consider there. Darius Garland, big ball game, maybe that's one you could consider. It's really, really tough to buy low on somebody of his status. I don't think it was that hard to buy low on Murray, Clay, and, and Sexton before their last decent ball games. It's a little tougher now. Um, but Cat's going to be a tougher one. And it actually brings me to a, a trading point that I don't want to spend too much time on because we're trying to fit a lot of stuff into this weekend podcast. But this time of the year... It's a lot easier to buy low than it is to sell high. And just think about this from the mental standpoint. Look, here's the sell list. Andrew Wiggins, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, John Collins, Brooke Lopez. That's your sell board right now. But just think about this mentally. Or think about it with your stomach. Maybe that's even better. Think about it with your stomach. Look at your own fantasy team and look at the guys on your team that are overperforming and underperforming, and be very clear in how you analyze these guys. So, like, Buddy Heald is number 37 on one in, uh, well, Yahoo's got him at 37. I like to try to stay consistent. Uh, Basketball Monster has him at 44. So relatively close either way. Buddy Heald is overperforming. By a decent... You know what? That's actually not even a great example. Let's take Lowry Markkinen. Find a team that has Lowry Markkinen and then look at it. He's number 24 on Basketball Monster right now. How hard would it be for you to part with that dude? Because you're going to keep convincing yourself, you know what? I don't want to sell this guy for top 40. What if he keeps going at his current rate? I don't want to sell this guy for top 50. What if he keeps going at his current rate? There's that... Family Guy did a good joke about this like 25 years ago now. That was like, hey, the box, the mystery box could be anything. It could even be a boat where, you know, they were offering him a boat as the other choice. That's that's the conundrum with trying to sell high to someone else. First of all, it's hard for someone to part with a sell high. And on the other side, it's hard to convince someone that what you're selling them is legitimate. If you tried to sell someone with Larry Markin and you asked for a top 40 guy back, you're going to have to convince that other guy, that other team, I should say, this is a, a 40 or better dude that they're taking on. They're not going to believe it because what if you? What if there's someone like a De'Aaron Fox who's 31 and someone comes to you and they're like, hey, let me, let me trade you De'Aaron Fox. 
You're going to be like, that dude ain't staying there. That's going to be your gut and initial reaction anytime someone comes to you with a sell-high name. You're not going to believe them. Right or wrong, you're not going to believe them. Because we're all jaded and... (laughs) And we all don't trust anything we see. But also, because it's not the player on our own team. Whereas on the other side of the coin, Jabari Smith is probably a a perfect example of this. Someone went out there and was like, I'm super excited about this rookie. I'm going to draft him at 85. And that dude has full-on crapped the bed. Jabari Smith is number 170. He's shooting 30% from the field. Someone is potentially looking at that like, what do I do here? Do I hang? I don't want to hang on to this. This guy's killing me. He's, I don't want to hang on to this. They're actively trying to get rid of a distressed asset for whatever reason. Distressed, low field goal percent, other injury related. You know, Kawhi is an example of that. Not that I would buy on Kawhi Leonard right now. He's kind of too frightening, but like you get the idea. It's much easier to buy low than it is to sell high. Because in this instance, here, like if you're trying to get Jabari Smith Jr., buying low doesn't mean send insulting offers. It just means send an offer of a player who's lower than where you think your target ends up. If you think Jabari Smith gets to 85, you could buy with anything less than 85. You're buying low because that player is stinking it up right now, and the other manager is going to be willing to part with them. So there's an opportunity for you to slice off a little bit of profit. Okay, uh, weekend preview. We're going to do all 30 teams as fast as humanly possible after I once again remind you guys, you absolutely must check out our buddies at ThriveFantasy.com and the Thrive Fantasy app. Prop up! All you got to do is pick what the superstars are going to do on a given night. You got 20 choices of stars and how many numbers they're going to put up, points, rebounds, assists, whatever. And you just pick whether you think they're going to get to that number or not get to that number. That's what an over-under is. Let's say, I don't know who's on the board right now. Let's say that, uh, who the hell's playing tonight? Who's, a, who's an interesting player that's going tonight? Maybe I should have done the weekend preview first. Uh, Paul George. Let's say that the number on Paul George is like 23 and a half points per game. I don't think that's what it is right now. I'm not logged in currently. Uh, but if you think he goes over that, you say over. If you think he goes under, you say under. Do you think he makes it to that number? If you don't, under. If you do, over. You pick that. You do that 10 times out of 20 choices. You can skip a bunch of them if you want. Bounce around. Pick your 10 favorites. And if you're good at it, you win money. And for a limited time, their deposit match bonus promo is rolling. With promo code ETHOS or the links that we send out about this stuff, you can get a deposit match bonus up to 250 bucks at thrivefantasy.com. Download the app. Go to the website, promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S. Open up an account, throw a few bucks in there right now. Play and let our DFS team guide you to victory. Super duper lightning round on a monster 12-game Friday. Saddle up, partner. They're all playing tonight. Actually, they're all playing on Monday because no one's playing on uh, Election Day on Tuesday. So every single team's playing on Monday. It's kind of a cool thing, actually. I mean, we can talk about that more on uh, on Monday's show, but those games start at 3 Pacific on Monday. They roll a little bit early. No, 2. Wait, no, no. No, 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 no. No, that's 3. It's 3. Sorry, calm down, Dan. Uh, they start an hour earlier than usual, and I believe the games start every 15 minutes 
from 3 until uh, 6.30 at night, Pacific time. So every 15 minutes, you can just roll right through. It's going to be an unbelievable day. Uh, Really excited that they're doing this. But that's Monday. That's 15-game Monday. It's just a a light 12-game Friday tonight. Miami is at Indiana. Uh, We're not going to go through this piece by piece, but just a few things to keep track of. Uh, The Heat have a bunch of guys that are questionable or out for this ballgame. So um, you can probably roll with with Struess if he's available. I mean, you kind of want to wait to see who's in and who's out. Like if Bam Adebayo doesn't play, we might have some options in the front court. This is one we're going to have to track more on social media throughout the day because stuff is going to change. Indiana, uh, I don't think there's a whole lot going on there. Knicks, not really a ton. You, you know, we talked about Emmanuel quickly as a watchless guy. Philly without James Harden. Embiid is questionable. If he doesn't play... They probably get steam trained, but they also probably have huge games out of Harris or uh, Melton, Harris, and Maxi. So Philly is a spot. We're in injury watch mode these days. Brooklyn without Kyrie. That's the first one there. We're gonna, we get at least five games, so whatever we learn in this one, we can definitely apply. Nothing really with the Wizards. Not a whole lot with the Cavs other than just, you know, can Karis LeVert hang on? Not much with Detroit. Not much with Chicago. Well, Patrick Williams. I shouldn't say not much. He's something to watch. Boston, Al Horford, Grant Williams, the Malcolm Brogdon, Derek White situation. There's actually quite a bit going on with the Celtics. Clippers, I'd love a Kawhi update of any kind. If we don't get one, I think you can keep rolling with Marcus Morris. Spurs have their guys back, so let's watch how Josh Richardson does with Vassell playing again. Charlotte, uh, you know, your injury report stuff, but McDaniels, Dennis Smith Jr., you have a chance at a couple of potential super streams there. Memphis, nothing. Eh, I keep saying that, but, like, I guess Aldama, some of the names we talked about on our list. Warriors, they're resting everybody. Happy Jordan Poole Day to you all. I don't know that I'm going to try anybody else, although Ty Jerome would probably be the next name I'd try on that board, but I'm probably not doing it. Warriors are in New Orleans here uh, in what appears to be a throwaway game, and they're on their way to an 0-5 road trip. Pelicans, it's uh, injury report. Again, watch the injury report. If nobody is back... Then keep rolling with Trey Murphy and keep an eye on Larry Nance. Toronto, Freddie Van Fleet is the question mark, so Chris Boucher then is also sort of floating in the balance. Dallas, there we go, officially a team with nothing. Dallas, nothing. Milwaukee, nothing. Minnesota, nothing. Portland, nothing. Not until Dame comes back. Phoenix, should we bother with Bismarck Biombo? Aiton's getting close now. Utah, mm, Sexton. Lakers, not much. I don't see anything changing game to game. Anthony Davis is questionable. If he sits, they probably just stink. LeBron probably plays a whole bunch of center. You're not picking anybody up there. It's going to be quite ugly. Uh, Turn the page to Saturday as we blitz through this thing. That's 24 out of the 30 teams. Sacramento, you're watching Davion Mitchell. Orlando, Jalen Suggs. We talked Brooklyn. We talked Charlotte. We talked Pels. Hawks, not much really at this point. Boston, New York. Oklahoma City. Poku, you're watching. Not a whole lot else. Milwaukee, Houston, nothing really, unless you're buying low there. That's that's the only reason to keep tabs on that is like how long does the buy low window stay open on some of these guys? Minnesota, nothing. Spurs, nothing. Denver. I guess Denver, you're, you're like, we're still watching Jamal Murray's ramp up, although it feels like he's about ready to go. And uh, that's it. I think. I think everybody plays either today or tomorrow. I guess I can flex the calendar over to Sunday and 
make sure I'm not missing any teams, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure everybody. I think that was everybody. Okay, have a great weekend, everyone. Uh, good luck in finishing up week three. Let's keep trying to pile up some early season wins, get off to a quick start. That's going to make the middle part of the season a whole heck of a lot easier. Thank you to Manscaped. Thank you to ExpressVPN. Thank you to Thrive Fantasy. And thank you to all of you for listening, following on Twitter, and dropping those five-star reviews. I am Dan Vespers, Fantasy NBA Today, out for the weekend. We'll recap it all on a reverse chronological Monday when we come back on the other side of the weekend break. So long, everybody. 